Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. If you haven't had a chance to visit my website for free resources, please do. It's located at thelastsymptom.com. While you're there, leave me a donation for my overall body of work if you're so inclined. Also, you can schedule one-on-one time with me directly from thelastsymptom.com. While you're listening to this, I am probably deep in the mountains on a backpacking trip. What conditions am I currently dealing with out there? Well, probably 90 degree temperatures, near 100% humidity, enormous biting bugs, thunderstorms, and all sorts of other pleasantries. Humidity is my kryptonite. (laughs) I really dislike it, but that's all right. It's not an adventure if it's too easy, is it? How's your week going? Are you being patient and understanding with yourself? I hope so. Because listen, if you're not going to be patient and understanding with yourself, who else will be? It's up to you. You have to be your own greatest friend. And what do great friends do? They show patience for us when we're trying, but sometimes fail. Ain't that right? They're understanding with us, even when nobody else is because they consider our failures and struggles in context, don't they? I allowed my daughter to stay up way too late a couple weeks ago, and the next day, she was moody and uncharacteristically combative. Now, under normal circumstances, her outbursts and behavior might have made me angry. But in this case, I knew that her little four-year-old body was simply exhausted and tired. You know what it's like to be exhausted and tired or hungry. It makes you irritable. So do you see how me taking into considerations the reasons behind her irritability provided me with context and context allowed me to be sympathetic rather than to get angry. After all, if I were going to get angry, Who would I have to get angry at? (laughs) Myself, right? For being the one to let a little four-year-old stay up past midnight. But the point is that context allowed me to show more than the usual patience and understanding toward her. In the same way, you have to show patience and understanding with yourself more than anybody else ever will. And the way you manage to do this for yourself is that you put things into context. Yes, 
you're going to fall short many times in your efforts towards self-improvement. But consider the context. Many people, many people, do not ever try to understand their psychology or the reasons at the root of their feelings and behaviors. No, many people are simply content to continue with business as usual. But what are you doing? You're demonstrating a sincere interest in being better. And while doing this, you're struggling against some very powerful programming from your past. Think of it this way. Nobody who has spent years being physically out of shape walks into a gym and suddenly just rips out of their clothes, instant muscles everywhere, perfect athletic health. (laughs) No. And if this were anybody's expectations, nobody would ever achieve better physical health, would they? Because they'd never be understanding enough with themselves to realize that moving from poor physical health to good physical health takes a period of hard work and patience. So don't do this to yourself in your efforts to improve your emotional health. Don't be like somebody who's unrealistically critical because you aren't doing everything perfect after a single week at the gym or even after a single month or a single year at the gym. Frequently put an arm around yourself and tell yourself that you're doing great work. Not to give up and put your failures into a realistic, kind, and forgiven context. What matters is your intent, you see, your sincerity, and your forward movement, your forward advancement, no matter how slow it might seem at times, all right? That's my pep talk for this week. Because I have this backpacking trip that I'm going on, today's program is going to be a bit of a hodgepodge of things, a potpourri of useful things. And then next week, we'll get back to tackling single aspects of emotional unhealth, breaking them down, explaining them, and uh, explaining how to fully eliminate them. But for this week, we're going to talk about a little variety of different little things. Often, I get asked what books I recommend on the topic of borderline personality disorder specifically. And my answer to that question is that I don't recommend any books specifically on the topic of borderline personality disorder. And the reason for this is that I have never, not even once, seen a book on this subject that does not include outright falsehoods. What kind of falsehoods? Well, that borderline personality disorder, for example, has multiple possible causes. It doesn't have multiple possible causes. It has one cause for everybody. And the only reason anybody says it has multiple possible causes is because they don't truly understand it. You know, think about any time you've ever been vague on your explanations of something. You were so because you didn't fully and truly understand the topic that you were discussing. And that's why people, the experts, throw out this multiple possible causes of baloney. How about uh, borderline personality disorders genetic? Another bunch of baloney. 
How about uh, that borderline personality disorder is a mental illness? Just total bullshit. It's got nothing to do with your mental faculties malfunctioning. It is an emotional disorder, and they can't even get that right. So this is why I can't recommend any books on the subject of borderline personality disorder, because they all include these lies. If a book is 80% accurate, but 20% bullshit, what is the effect of this? What is the natural effect? Well, it deviates a person off course, and they may lose years, years, that they could be using to genuinely recover from the disorder. Or, after so much effort and time and getting nowhere, thanks to these subtle misdirections, they may get so discouraged and frustrated that they just give up altogether. After all, they say, I just wasted three years going down a road that the experts told me was the right way. And after all that time and effort, I've not experienced any genuine improvement whatsoever. No authentic change has occurred with me. So then what happens? Well, what happens is that even when completely accurate information gets recommended to them, like the information I provide on the subject, they say, nope, I'm not falling for that again. And then they don't even give it a chance, you see. So the 20% misdirection has the potential to 100% destroy a person's chances at authentically ridding themselves of the disorder. So the professional community's subtle misdirections and bullshit is no small thing. It is incredibly detrimental. And given that they're in an elevated position in society and look to as the ones who are supposed to know, and they enjoy all this misplaced authority on subjects such as this, their failures must be identified and plainly unflinchingly exposed. But back to uh, other people's books. There are books I do recommend, and uh, these are books that I like to call psychology, not psychology books. (laughs) In other words, they are books that reveal many incredible insights into human psychology in general, while not specifically being about human psychology. They reveal psychological patterns that all of us are prone to, which means that they provide immediate, practical insights and benefits to life. Additionally, these are books that are fun and interesting to read and are not going to leave you bored out of your gourd and falling out of your chair from sleep. So, do me a favor. Get out a pencil and paper and jot some of these down. The first book I recommend for everybody is You Are Not So Smart by David McRaney. This is an incredibly useful and practical book for absolutely everybody. It details many logical fallacies that we are all prone to as people. And uh, it details real-life examples of these fallacies in everyday life. For those who don't know, a logical fallacy is when you arrive at erroneous conclusions based on silly reasoning. (laughs) That's the simple way of putting it. 
You're going to be fascinated by this book, and you'll find yourself thinking differently almost as soon as you open it. My second recommendation is Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus by John Gray. Why do I recommend this book? I recommend it because it very smartly compares men and women to two entirely different cultures and the different approaches each culture takes in communication. Because two different cultures very naturally have different approaches in the way they communicate, this often creates some very unnecessary misunderstandings. Think of a North Korean diplomat meeting with a Mexican diplomat. Is it enough for them to have an interpreter between them, simply providing a literal interpretation of the words they speak to each other? No. Cultural context has to be taken into consideration and explained as well. Otherwise, very innocent things could trigger wars. So, if you want immediately beneficial insights into how to avoid misunderstandings and miscommunication with the opposite sex, you'll enjoy this book very much. And, you know, in general, it's revealing about how uh, different perspectives on a thing can create misunderstandings in communication. And it'll make you a better communicator overall. I recommend the Bible books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes specifically in a modern-day language translation. In other words, non-Shakespearean language, so that the meaning of the passages isn't a great struggle. Many of my atheist followers may be opposed to this idea. I grant you that. Still, there are great practical benefits and insights to be found here, as long as those who feel opposed to the idea can manage to approach it as an important contribution to literature, if nothing else. There are so many profound insights on life within these books, insights that, like all my other suggestions, not only provide immediately practical benefits, but which also reveal a lot about our natural tendencies as people and how to live more healthfully. I recommend the book, Deep Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why, by Lawrence Gonzalez. This is another one of those books that reveals incredible insights in the human psychology in general, which you can then apply to your life and be better able to understand your own ways of thinking. There's a particular part of the book that uh, discusses what happens when people find themselves in extremely stressful, dangerous situations. How many people go into a very strange state of denial? For example, in a plane accident that happened on a runway, one man who was able to snap out of this denial grabbed his wife's hand and raced off the plane. As they were fleeing this danger, his wife looked over her shoulder and what did she see? The plane, full of people, still sitting peacefully in their seats with distant stares. They were all caught up in an emotional denial that anything bad was really happening. Very strange, but very real. They all died. 
You know, the same thing happened on September 11th, 2001 in the United States uh, during the attack on the World Trade Center in New York. Many people went into this state of denial, imagining against the reality that everything was okay and that they were not really in any danger. So a lot of wonderful psychology, not psychology insights within that book. I recommend the book Journey into Darkness by John E. Douglas. Now, this one is only for people who can handle very disturbing details since the book deals with serial killers and their crimes. One of the most enlightening, fascinating, and yes, disturbing books I have ever read. John Douglas, the author, helped form the FBI's Criminal Profilers Department, and he has taken human psychology to a Sherlock Holmes level of art. He explains in great detail how he learned to draw conclusions about the perpetrators of crimes based purely on the details of their crimes at the crime scene. It's so accurate. Simply by looking at a crime, things like a person's race, height, age, living situation, culture, the type of car they most likely drive, and things of this sort can be deduced. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. I certainly learned very, very much from this book. And finally, I recommend the book, Uh-Oh! Some Observations from Both Sides of the Refrigerator Door. That's, that's the, the title. Uh-Oh! U-H-O-H! By Robert Falgum. Of course, Robert Falgum is probably best known for his book, Everything I Ever Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. But I personally am more partial to this book, Uh-Oh, probably because it was my first exposure to the author's work, and it left such an impression on me. There's a part in Uh-Oh where he talks about his granddaughter, and that as much as he loves her, she will never be his. The point of it is that as people, we only belong to ourselves. That no matter how much we care about somebody else, they have full, individual, inherent rights, responsibility, and authority over themselves. And that we will never possess such rights, responsibility, and authority over anybody but ourselves. Of course, he doesn't use the specific term individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority, because that's a term I invented. <laughs> but the message is the same. There are so many great, refreshing, profound truths in this book. It's a very simple and quick read. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Now, let's talk about the subtlety of how feelings can be invalidated for just a second. My daughter, my four-year-old daughter, went downstairs to pee last night. I was gathering some things. And then she reappeared. I'm scared, she said freely. You're scared? I said. Yes, it's dark downstairs and I'm scared. 
Guess what, I said. I would have been scared too. You? She said. You would be scared? Absolutely, I said. When I was your age, the same situation scared me too. It's perfectly natural. Perfectly natural, she repeated. Was this my parents' approach when I was a little boy and would get scared? No, of course not. Their approach was to scoff at my fear and to tell me why I shouldn't be afraid. Do you see how this attitude is subtly yet unbelievably damaging? The message is that what you're feeling is the wrong feeling. In other words, you're feeling incorrectly. But are feelings ever wrong? No, they're not. Feelings are never wrong. Feelings are always pure and valid. Now, oftentimes, the perceptions or thoughts that give birth to feelings are inaccurate. For example, somebody who has racist feelings, obviously, they have inaccurate perceptions and thoughts that are given birth to the feelings that they're experiencing. But the feelings in themselves are never wrong. Now ask yourself this question. How would your life and your approach to life now be different if you were able to feel your full range of feelings without perceiving them as good or bad, right or wrong. If you had grown up understanding that everything you feel, everything, is a perfectly natural part of being a person, and that everybody feels those same things from time to time, Something for you to imagine and think about in your own time. Here's another post, but not by me. This comes from one of my members. She says, I found Brian's podcast back in beginning of June. I want to preface by saying that I was a part of several other borderline personality disorder groups, which I have now left. After two separate diagnoses, of borderline personality disorder within a 20-year span. I was feeling defeated. I felt lost, alone, angry, and at a loss of how I could any longer deal with the internal suffering I faced every day of my life. It's almost eerie how closely I relate and can understand the concepts, realizations, and stories brought forth by Brian. Unlike many of the other medical jumble thrusted upon continuously suffering people with borderline personality disorder, gaining insight as to why I have suffered for so long was like being reborn. I understand what has happened now. I understand I cannot change nor wish to change my mother. She needs to do that. I can only heal myself. One of the biggest epiphanies was a couple nights ago. I was listening to the podcast episode of Inherent Worth. It blew me away. I realized 
that like every human on the planet, I had and have purpose. For the first time in my life, I felt that and understood that. That alone has lessened so much internal suffering. I'm working on understanding my relationships and connections to other people. I no longer want to hurt or hurt other people, pushing them away because of my core beliefs. My core beliefs have spun me out of control with weight gain, drinking, and unsuccessful, painful relationships. However, now I understand that and am no longer questioning why I am the way I am. I have to say that I'm super excited to dive right into the information provided here. I can so closely relate. Oh, and I haven't had a drink since last Wednesday. I'm making meal plans, and I finally feel like it just might be okay to actually have a dream that one day I might be able to fulfill. Endless thank you to Brian for his hard work in educating and helping those with borderline personality disorder. I'm 100% looking forward to the online courses. She's referring to uh, the programs that I'm looking forward to uh, rolling out this fall or late summer. So, that's the program today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm off to hit the open road and to tackle nature and the elements. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. To close today's program, as is my custom, here's a poem for you. This comes from the book, The Viking Book of Poetry of the English-Speaking World. And uh, let's see what the print date is of this. Pretty old. Copyright, 1941. And then copyright, 1958. Looks like I have the 1958 version. But here's what I wrote on the inside of this book. This was a graduation gift from Dave Selvage, my mentor, in the summer of 1993, marking the end of high school for me and the start of my adult life. So I've picked a poem out for you today that I like from this book. This is called Ode on Solitude by Alexander Pope, 1688 to 1744. Happy the man whose wish and care a few paternal acres bound, content to breathe his native air in his own ground, whose herds with milk, whose fields with bread, whose flocks supply him with attire, whose trees in summer yield him shade in winter fire. Blessed who can unconcernedly find hours, days, and years slide soft away in health of body, peace of mind, quiet by day. Sound sleep by night, study and ease, together mixed sweet recreation, and innocence which most does please with meditation. Thus let me live unseen, unknown, thus unlamented let me die, steal from the world and not a stone, tell where I lie. Let me share one more with you. I really like this one. This is, uh, this is by John Gay, 1685 to 1732, and it's called Love in Her Eyes Sits Playing. Love 
in her eye sits playing and sheds delicious death. Love in her lips sits straying and warbling in her breath. Love on her breast sits panting and swells with soft desire. No grace, no charm is wanting to set the heart on fire. I want to give you one last quick reminder to head over to thelastsymptom.com. If you're so inclined, think about donating to support my overall body of work, and I thank you. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment with me, you can do that for any time starting Monday, because <laughs> I'll be out of town. Off Grid, this is Brian Barnett signing off. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>